Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Great Commission Community Church. Um, today marks the second Sunday of the Christian season called Advent, which is derived from the Latin word for coming. During Advent, we celebrate Jesus's two comings. His first coming is what we celebrate at Christmas. His second coming is the one we are waiting for. But our waiting is not passive. We actively orient our lives towards loving God and others, sharing what Jesus has done with those who have yet to know him and previewing Jesus's kingdom until he comes. Our waiting is not aloof. There is a yearning in our hearts, a longing for Christ's return, which permeate our whole lives as well as our sung and spoken prayer in our corporate worship. We wait with great anticipation because we know that in his second coming, all that we see broken, evil, and painful will be no more. He will make all things new. So as we heard during our call to worship last week, let us read again what the writer of Hebrews says to us about our waiting. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good work not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. As we began doing last Sunday, we will have our sung and spoken prayers consisting of two parts. Today, we will have the first part focused on Jesus's coming not yet, and the second focused on Jesus's coming already. Please stand as we worship.
with the verses from Micah projected in front of us, let us now pray that God would bring that peace and justice now. Let us pray for God to bring an end to the war in Ukraine, for safety and freedom for minority groups and women in Afghanistan, for God to end human and sex trafficking here in the United States and all around the world. Let's pray for equity in our education systems and our justice systems. now also pray for specific people in our lives who need to experience Christ's healing and deliverance in their lives. Let's pray that they too will worship our God just like Micah prophesied. Jesus, please come again soon. We eagerly await your return for when you will make all things right. Amen. Um, so now we remember Jesus's first coming as we read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Um, I will be reading the plain text um, on the screen, and um, please um, read the bolded and italicized text on the screen together. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When, G when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Amen.
also read the projected words of this prayer. Let's pray. God, we marvel at this story and at what took place in history, that Jesus came into this world, taking on human form to be God with us and to save us from our sins. We remember Jesus's humility, his sinless, perfect life, and his sacrifice on the cross to die in our place for our sins. We remember his resurrection as he overcame sin and death. We thank you that because of Jesus, we who were once enslaved to sin and separated from you are that way no longer. You have called us to be yours and to be with you forever. Yet we confess that we live in a world still marred with sin. We confess that we ourselves fail and fall short of your will for us. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We confess that we still look to our wealth, our accomplishments, and our appearance as our gods. We care more about these things giving us a sense of security and worth than we do about our new identity in Christ. We have not loved mercy, acted justly, or walked humbly with you. Instead, we've often let our selfishness hinder generosity and hospitality. We've allowed our pride and bitterness to hinder our forgiveness of others. Forgive us, Lord. Lead us in holiness and righteousness. Holy Spirit, empower us to live in obedience to your ways. For you know our weakness and our frailty. So Lord, we lay down our busyness, our anxieties, our worries before you. Comfort us in our loneliness, reminding us of your presence with us always. Comfort us in our mourning and our grieving. God, you are a father of compassion. Jesus, you are gentle and lowly in heart, inviting us to come and find rest for our souls. We do so now. Jesus, we love you. You are beautiful and mighty, 
worthy to be praised. Who else cares for the weak and brokenhearted like you do? Who else is concerned for the widows and the orphans, the lost and the marginalized like you do? Who is just like you are? Who is like our God? There is none like you. We worship you for all that you are, all that you've done, and all that you will do according to your good and perfect will. Amen. Um, the peace of Christ to all of you. Please at this time speak that peace to someone or several people around you. I just have a few announcements to make at this time. Um, so first and foremost, as always, we welcome our newcomers. Um, if you are new to our church, um, one way you can reach out to us is um, at this email, welcome at greatcommissioncc.org. Um, so if you are new and you would like to get more involved or meet more people here, please do email us um, at this address. Um, also, as always, we have our Tuesday prayer meetings um, at 8 p.m. on Zoom this week. Um, at 8 p.m. on Tuesday, we will be praying for missions. Um, but then the following week, December 13th, um, we will actually be doing an in-person prayer meeting um, in Falls Church for The Watch, um, which is a monthly-ish um, time. It's an in-person gathering where we spend extended time singing and praying together. Um, and it is a very dynamic encounter with God. So um, you all are um, invited to that on December 13th. Um, on December 11th, there is a members meeting um, at 1.30 p.m. on Zoom, so please save that date and time in your calendars. Um, also, we would like to again plug our playlist um, called What We're Singing These Days, um, as well as the sermon podcasts um, that are on our website under GCCC Online. Um, and so you can go there and listen to that playlist or um, those sermons. Um, just to help you know um, and really like feel ownership of the songs um, in particular that we're singing on Sundays here. Um, so there is a refugee family, an Afghan refugee family, who um, we are helping to, our church is helping to support um, in this season. And um, we are asking for members of our church to please consider donating items to this family. Um, they live in Alexandria. 
um, and they have been here since last year. They are a family of six, um, and the youngest child is a baby. Um, and the father is working um, a couple of jobs while he is studying to be a mechanic. Um, but his income um, right now just barely covers rent. And so um, they are on SNAP, which helps them um, cover food expenses. Um, but we would like to help them in other ways with um, winter clothes for the four kids, toiletries, household goods, um, and a couple of furniture items. Um, so we, um, just a note, we do have also have a line on that spreadsheet for um, toys for the kids. But um, their dad has said that they don't need those as much. Um, they have plenty of toys at this time. Um, yeah, and so, you know, if you feel uh, moved to help this family out, um, please use this QR code, which we have up here, um, which is the link to our spreadsheet to take a closer look at um, what we are donating. Um, and then also, um, this is fun, we have like little cards with the QR code on them um, out there on the table next to the big donation box that we have out there. Um, so if like you're out and about shopping and you're keeping the card in your purse um, or your pockets, you can like take it out and check it out and like if there's something that you see that might be useful to them, then yeah, I mean, I thought it was fun, but um, yeah. <laughs> um, so we do have that out there um, for those who would like one. Um, next, um, one of the big goals that we as a church have set for ourselves this year is to pursue holistic health. Um, and we, all of us, have experienced various kinds of brokenness and pain in our lives. Um, and so our leadership felt um, that if we are going to see, you know, true life transformation, um, we do really need to examine honestly our souls, our minds, and our relationships. Um, and so to that end, we are looking forward to several important events in 2023, the new year. Um, and our prayer is that these events will um, really provide opportunities for self and corporate examination, healing, and growth. Um, so first, in January, there will be a church-wide survey to assess GCCC's strengths and opportunities for further growth, um, so please just keep that in mind. Um, and then also, um, in February, we will be hosting a book club um, centered around a book called Soul Care. Um, and so members of this book club will read the book and talk about it, um, and then there will be a Soul Care-themed weekend um, at Neighborhood Church, which is a church in Maryland, um, and our sister church in our denomination. Um, so that book club is in February, um, and then that book club um, weekend um, is March, um, that weekend of March 3rd to the 4th. Um, and also a couple of other bigger events. There is a men's retreat on March 17th through 18th, so please save the date for that. Um, and also, we are doing a marriage conference on April 28th through 29th, so please also save the date for that. Um, and then finally, just a reminder that um, we do not pass around a physical offering basket. Um, we collect offering online. Um, so yeah, just a reminder that that is there for um, everyone. Rebecca here for the last couple of things that Emily's going to be talking about. Um, 
So uh, today, after service, like we've been talking about the last couple Sundays, we're doing this prayer walk around the neighborhood um, after our service. So um, just what we'll do is, uh, let's say we usually end around like 1220, 1230-ish, um, around 1240, 1245. We're going to meet like um, in the foyer just outside this room, but like toward, um, I guess, toward that door that goes out down those stairs to the back parking lot. So just like in that area, there's some couches there. There's like a bathroom, there's bathrooms there. And so we'll, we'll meet around there, um, depending on how many people we'll have. Like, I don't know, I guess we can just meet around like a couple couches or um, like the larger hallway or whatever. But um, I just wanted to just share a little bit more about um, kind of why we're doing this. Um, so we live in this, or as a church on Sundays at least, um, we live in this area of Pentagon City. And I know some of you actually live here every day in Pentagon City. And um, it's a rapidly changing neighborhood, as you can see. If you've been here, even on just on Sundays for a little while, like you can tell like how different um, this neighborhood um, looks from, it, you know, from what it did even just like a few years ago. And I know like in another five years, it's going to be looking even more different. Um, and I'm just going to show some images or some slides. Actually, I got some of these from um, this organization called, like, the National Landing. Um, it's, like, a business development group, but they are also concerned about, like, equity issues and so on. Um, but this is um, just, like, from their site. So just to get a feel for the area, 7,800 um, new residential units are getting ready to be built. And there's already, um, and this is current, um, adding to the existing 15,000 um, residential units. So it's a lot of people living here. Um, just from, an so if we walk out, if we walk out that way, um, you know, and I know Whole Foods is this way, but that empty space, that's, um, I'm sure many of you guys know, that's Amazon, um, their new headquarters. Um, and it's going to be this big, um, like it's, I mean, a campus basically. Um, and there's going to be a high school there. Um, there's going to be, obviously, a lot of people working there. Um, it's very connected to this um, park on the other side of Whole Foods called Met Park. Um, anyway, so a lot of jobs being added to this area. Um, they, this organization estimates 50,000 as a daytime population, and that's um, obviously growing. Um, the uh, Actually, let's show that next slide. Um, so this, this group, they, they have an idea of what prosperity looks like for Pentagon City. And a lot of it's just corporate, you know, just, hey, we, we want to attract creatives. We want to attract entrepreneurs. Um, we want this to be a very, like, kind of happening and, and like, a, a place that where um, equity concerns are also part of what attracts people to uh, live and work here. And so um, with this... The organization has some programmatic goals that I, I feel like our church can be a part of. Um, you know, like one thing is uh, they're trying to advocate for certain things like there's this area, um, water area that's called Roaches Run and um, in, in, in the neighborhood. And um, it's actually named after um, like a, a very prominent like slaveholding family from back in the day. And so they're thinking about how can we, yeah, what can we do about that? And um, there's an emphasis on um, attracting and retaining um, businesses owned by women and minorities. Um, and, th and that the next slide in this. Um, 
and there's a an interest um, in partnerships um, and um, I, I guess awareness of uh, sort of the underside of gentrification. And so these are things that I think as a church, as people of Christ, uh, it's, it's very helpful for us to be a voice in the neighborhood and where kind of the larger vision of prosperity aligns with a Christian vision of prosperity. We really want to be active that way um, and really bless our, our area. And so um, this next slide is just like an image of Met Park. And you, you see parts of this if you go on the other side of Whole Foods on the way to the metro. Um, so this is just like a little map. Like, oh, what's going to, so there's retail, there's like a daycare, there's that, that park, there's residential buildings, and again, right across the street is going to be Amazon. Um, so today, what we're going to do is we're just going to do this walk, and it's going to be short and sweet. Um, I, I figure even walking and stopping a few times, I mean, it's not going to take more than 45 minutes, you know. 30 minutes, and then we're just going to end up at Whole Foods. So here's, so let's go to the map. So that first map, uh, uh, so that's my crudely drawn black arrows. Um, so we start at the Double Tree. That's 2.53 a night. Um, and we go past um, Altair and Sage, uh, which are apartment buildings. We're going to go, we go past an, several more apartment buildings. We go through Med Park, um, and um, we pass retail, we pass... Um, this communal space and so on. Uh, another route that we can take, depending on how many people we have, we'll go the other way out of here and we'll wrap around the other side of Highway 1. We'll pass um, some other businesses. We'll pass some um, daycare centers um, with all these apartments. We have families and babies um, need daycare. And then we're going to wrap around again. And um, the endpoint is Whole Foods, just a, an easy place for. Um, different numbers of people uh, to get lunch together. So that's what we're doing. Um, so and please, if you're able to stick around for like 45 minutes, um, I mean, with or without lunch at Whole Foods afterwards, but if you're able to stick around, please do. Um, also, um, sort of related to this, um, but um, not necessarily, uh, every Sunday, or sorry, every first Sunday of the month um, that we're together, um, we're going to take time, and we've been doing this the last couple months, we're going to take time to just pray for people, um, people that we know, uh, praying for people to experience new life in Christ. And um, there are two tabs on our website that I want to uh, point out, um, or actually one tab with two links. So one link um, under experiencing new life under Christ on our website um, has a form for like sharing Jesus. And basically... We just want to hear, um, as pastors especially, we just want to hear about, like, hey, what are some ways that you are, um, like, sharing Jesus or having Jesus shared with you? And, um, you know, what are some just encouraging things that are happening? And another link to a form that is just a prayer form, and basically you just say, here, these are some names, maybe just first names of people um, I would like to pray for or that I am praying for. Um, so that um, together we together with them we can experience new life in Christ, and um, with those forms, the, I just want to let you know the pastors are, are praying for those forms or praying with those forms for um, people with you. Um, I, I'm just sharing a couple of screenshots of like an email thread that I have with um, um, Jansu. She gave me permission to share this, so I was like, "What?" <laughs> anyway. 
um, and blacked out some of her uh, email stuff. But anyway, so this is like from a month ago. And then so I wrote, hi, Hyunsu, just telling you, or just letting you know that the pastors prayed for your dad yesterday together over the online prayer form you filled out. Parts of First Timothy 1 and 2 came to mind as I was praying for him and for you with him, pasting them here. So I won't read those verses, but um, she wrote back, wow, thank you so much, Pastor Carl. Um, prayer hands. This means so much to me. I'm sharing these verses with my dad. I can just imagine him sharing these words himself one day. God is good. And then whenever you end up sharing them with your dad, please let me know how he receives them because I'm interested. You know, Fill out the form. <laughs> uh, fill out that other form. Thank you. I sent over a cacao talk, and he just said, and there's some Korean writing. It's like, ungure. That's basically something like, okay. And then she says, comparatively speaking, this, much, this is much better than him trying to fight the scripture, which has happened before. God's word is powerful. And I was certainly moved by the verses, so hopefully they got planted like seeds in good soil, even if they bloom late. Um, smiley face, that's a great reply, LOL. Yes, God's work is powerful, or God's word is powerful. And so, I mean, that's, I mean, it's just a simple thing. It's just like, it's no big whoop kind of email, but um, yeah, this is what we're trying to foster and celebrate, just you know, just, just what we do as a church, and that's why we're putting those forms on the website. And I ask you, even now, um, I'm just going to, we're going to take like a moment, like I said, we're going to take a moment just to pray for people. Just think of, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of people in your life. Just think of a couple people. Man, it would be great to experience new life together in Christ, together with these people. And pray for them. And if you want us to, I encourage you, let us know. Uh, fill out the form, and we'll be praying together with you. Um, so just with that, I'm just going to take a moment, and we'll just be silent. Just think of some people. You can go to the website and fill out the form even as we're praying. Um, and then just after about 20 to 30 seconds, um, I'm just going to pray for us. Thank you. Father God, we thank you for who you are and your desire uh, for uh, people to be so close to you, to know your goodness and your healing and your love and your joy and your hope. And we pray that um, people in our lives could experience that, even if they're not experiencing that now, even if they've never experienced it. Lord, we pray um, with your heart, with your love and uh, hospitality and generosity, Lord, that um, we could experience new life together in you with them. Lord, we also, um, at this time, we uh, pray for these, um, like, this financial giving, this offering um, that we present, like, online um, as a community, and um, we trust in you, and we trust that um, these kind of tokens of uh, how all of ourselves and all that we have belong to you, Lord, that these tokens would um, be very sincerely worshipful and uh, ultimately very useful uh, in 
blessing to um, others, and especially those um, uh, outside this church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, we are continuing to um, think about what it means that God became human, and what it means that Jesus came to us the way he did, um, especially at Christmas time, as well as in the, in the day to come. Uh, we've been praying this morning with Jesus' already advent or coming of history, and Jesus' not yet advent or coming in mind. And now we'll keep meditating on that through the second chapter of um, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And so um, as we turn to Philippians, Philippians 2, um, and we're going to be reading um, the first 11 verses of Philippians 2. And as we're turning there, I um, just ask that you... Um, once again, pray with me. Lord, we have encouragement from you. We have comfort from your love. We have fellowship with your spirit. We have felt affection. We have felt sympathy from you in, in this community, and we've given it as well. Lord, we thank you, and we pray that um, we would continue in a life that is transformed to be like yours. Uh, even with ups and downs, even with like steps forward and steps back, um, we pray that we, I don't know, just give ourselves fully, uh, give ourselves uh, generously to you as you form us and as you lead us. Lord, as we look into your word given to us, um, we want to give ourselves to you, Lord. So we trust that you speak to us. And we trust that your word does beautiful things um, in our life and in the life that you share with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, this is Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to go to 11. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy. So he's assuming, yes, there is all this with you. So since there is all this in your experience, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, in humility, in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, of human beings, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, he humbled himself, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Um, as we think about this passage and what it means for us, I want to first say that what we believe matters. What we believe matters um, because what we believe and what we do aren't separate things. This letter to the church in Philippi tackles a potential problem 
like a concrete potential problem of bad relationships in the church, of like grumbling, of selfishness in this community. And Paul's remedy, his medicine for this, his maybe preventative medicine for this is theology. It's what we believe about Jesus. It's, it's who Jesus is and what Jesus means. Our theology matters. And also what happened to Jesus in history matters. Paul's solution to these potential problems isn't based on like a character in a movie or a book. Like, oh, remember that movie? Remember that guy who, who acted this way in the movie? Let's all be like that. That's not how his logic works. His logic is based on the way that our teacher, our savior, our trailblazer, our guru, if you want to use those words, how he lived. It really matters then that Jesus was a real person, that he really died, that he really was resurrected. So not make-believe, but in history, Jesus came to us and lived with us and lived like us and died for us. And this is why we can totally and sincerely build our lives around Jesus. This sermon, if you're taking notes, is titled, What We Talk About When We Talk About Humility. What We Talk About When We Talk About Humility. Um, humility isn't just a Christian virtue. It's, um, I think, something that most people would regard as a very good character trait. You know, um, and it's part of our popular culture. Like, it's good to be humble. Kendrick Lamar has a song, Sit Down, Be Humble, you know, which I, I'm not sure. I think it might be ironic. I don't know. Um, uh, we got to do a deep dive into the lyrics. Like, what does he mean? But um, I know, I remember there's this, um, some, one of my favorite basketball players is um, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And he had this very deep, surprisingly deep interview uh, a little while ago about him talking. And he's basically saying, like, you know, if you focus on the past, ego. If you focus on the future, it's pride. If you focus on the present, that's humility. I was like, whoa, that's deep, Giannis. <laughs> you know? um, but anyway, people generally see it as, I think, a bad thing to brag a lot. Um, you know, we should be modest and da-da-da. So I think generally people see humility as a virtue. But today we're looking at a very specific kind of humility, Christ's humility. Because as followers of Christ, we've committed not to just be good people, or like nice people, no, we don't care about being good or nice, actually, amen? You're like, wait a minute, sure. <laughs> yeah, amen, amen, because what we're committed to more precisely is to be like Christ. We're not trying to be humble people, like humble mostly in the way that like Kendrick or Giannis define it, even if those are good too. Like, really what we're trying to do is be Christ-like people and humble in the way that Christ define it, defines it. So when we see this word humility in this passage, let's, let's pay attention. So we see it in verse 3 and verse 8. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, what is Christian humility? In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Then again in verse 8, he humbled himself. What is humility? Jesus humbled himself. How did he do it? By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. But even everything in between verse 3 and 8, all that is explaining what Christian, what Christ-like humility is. I'm just going to read that one more time. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, this is all about Christian humility, in humility, Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, 
did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself. What is Christian humility? It's Jesus not counting equality with God something to be grasped or held onto, clutched. But Christ emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of humans, being found in human form, humbling himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what is humility according to Jesus? So um, let me just offer two observations about Christian or Christ-like humility. All right, number one, for Jesus, humility is a joyful kenosis. And that's a real word. I'll explain in a second. Emptying ourselves of rights and status. It's a joyful kenosis. And kenosis is a very fancy Greek word for emptying yourself. So this is the word that we see in uh, verse 7. Christ emptied in himself. There's kenosis. Emptying of his rights. Emptying himself of his status. Because it basically this really fits with Jesus' whole kind of paradigm, his whole life philosophy. The way we find life is to, the way we find life is to, you can say, lose life. Yeah. You give up your life to find it. That's the paradigm. That's God's plan. It's not like some unique or weird thing that, oh, man, it happened to Jesus like that. That's really weird. No, that's how God's plan, that's how, you know, God's world works. So kenosis, this Greek word translated emptied in verse 7, he gave up things for himself. Someone in my small group this past week was saying how it's just really amazing that Jesus who is with God and is God and could basically enjoy this heavenly life, willingly gave up all that and took on all the like filth and dirt of this world. You know, and as we think about how amazing that is, we might think, well, you know, there's no one like Jesus. That's Jesus. But Paul is actually saying here, yeah, that's Jesus, but be like Jesus. And actually later in the chapter, Paul talks um, about his friend Timothy, as someone who's like Jesus this way. I'm just going to read this. This is verse 19, same chapter, Philippians 2. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Again, this is a letter, so he's just saying, hey, this is my, my plan. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you, you know, that he'll bring to me. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But that's not Timothy. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Paul considers him unique, but he's like, this is how we all are called to be. And this kenosis, this emptying ourselves of our rights, our privilege, our status, this is way deeper than just being modest or trying not to brag. These aren't just like little things we adjust about the way we come across to other people. Like, I, I hope I don't come off too arrogant because that isn't very attractive or nice. You know, Christ's humility is way deeper. You know, using Christmas gifts as a mental image for us to be humble like Christ isn't just like adjusting the wrapping paper. It's really changing the thing inside the box. It's not how we come off to other people. It's us giving up ourselves. It's us emptying ourselves, again, of, of rights, of our interests, of our privileges. See, I feel like in our culture, you can hold on to your privileges and still be a very humble person or considered a humble person. In our culture, you can focus on your own interests only and still come across as humble. But you can't be humble like Christ and still hold on so tight to your rights and privileges. I mean, yeah, that's very American, okay, but is that like Christ? 
You know, you can't be humble like Christ if you're focused only on your own interests. You can't be humble like Christ if there isn't this kenosis, this emptying yourself. And I think that's why truly Christian, Christ-like humility calls us to deeper things than the way we, you know, just the way we talk or, or project ourselves to other people. It calls us, actually, to downward mobility, like the opposite of upward mobility. Again, maybe that's, it's very countercultural, it's very un-American maybe, but is it unchristian? You know, well, you know, generally, like in our culture, yeah, I get it, we, we want to have more wealth and status, like say, as we get older. Our parents want us to have more wealth and status than they did. And we want our own children to have more wealth and status than we do. I mean, that all makes sense, but is that like a Christian expectation? I don't know, I don't think so. You might be like, like, well, wait, whoa, is being downwardly mobile, I don't know, it doesn't, that just feels sort of irresponsible or maybe naive. And I don't know, I mean, we can talk about it, but like here we're just talking about Philippians 2 at least. And that is Christian humility. That's what Christ's life looks like. And again, according to Jesus, the way we find life is to lose life. The way we find life is to lose life. You give up your life to find it. That's the paradigm. That's God's plan. I just made this stupid meme. We can show it. This is like an old meme, you know, with, that, with the Drake song, you know. That this is how it works. This is a paradigm. This is God's plan. We give up life to find it, you know, and sacrifice. That's fine. We can put it away. Um, like, sacrifice is part of this. You know, and let me say that some of us might come from a religious background or church background where sacrifice was maybe the most important Christian virtue. And I think you can make a pretty good case for that, yeah. Sacrificial love, like kenosis. But to be truly Christ-like, I think, it has to be a joyful, faith-filled kenosis, a joyful sacrifice. Because if it's not joyful, it's just religious. And I don't think it's really Christ-like, actually. Religious but not really Christian sacrifice isn't joyful, it's not faith-filled, it's just like somber. It's even joyless. Like, so how do you know if your sacrificial lifestyle is Christ-like, in fact, or just religious? Well, I think we can see if we do it with joy or with bitterness. We see if it feels like a privilege to do that or it feels like a burden almost. You know, and so if it feels like a privilege, it feels joyful. Man, I think we're really walking with Christ. But it feels just like burden and woe is me. I'm bitter about this, but I guess I have to sacrifice. I don't, that sounds very religious. And, and one last thing about how Christian humility about, is about kenosis, about like emptying ourselves. This humility, this kind of humility, this Christ-like humility is for everyone in the Christian community. And I'm just going to say this. It might sound like non-sequitur, but... It's not just for women. You're like, what? Like, why would you say that, Carl? I'm just, I just bring that up because when, when I think about passages like Philippians 2, there's a lot of teaching in the church specifically addressed to women that seems to ignore how Philippians 2, this kind of teaching is for all of us. And here's just a little nugget to keep in mind when you read Bible verses about women and about how they should act. Usually, those same attitudes, those same actions are also demanded of men, too, actually. Like, wives, submit to your husbands. 
and however you interpret submit. But the verse before that says, everyone submit to one another in Christ. Women have a gentle spirit. You know who else has a gentle spirit with that same word, gentle, that same Greek word? It's Jesus when he says, come to me, for I'm gentle in heart. Um, Philippians 2 is addressed to the whole community. Let's not make it weird and pretend that Philippians 2 is just for certain people and groups in the church. Like, don't think, for example, that men are called to go after their desires by asserting themselves and forcing their will while women are called to empty themselves. I say this, you're like, why do you have to say that, Carl? But I say this because uh, people in the church have thought this. And this passage should tell them clearly that this is bad Bible teaching. Amen? Where, where are the, our women at? Come on, amen? <laughs> um, or I, mean, I should ask, where are men at? Amen. All right. All right, number two. Um, so number one, for Jesus, humility is about kenosis, joyful kenosis. Number two, for Jesus, community and humility go hand in hand. Humility and community go hand in hand. Humility goes hand in hand with community. See, humility isn't even a thing. It's not a real thing in real life if there's no community where you live like this with other people. Jesus didn't empty himself just for the sake of emptying himself. He didn't do this in his own solitary world. His humility is only a real thing because he emptied himself in the midst of life with others. Again, you might be like, of course, why does this even need to be said? I say it because like many people, including many Christians, view spirituality and even Christian spirituality as basically like a private, internal individual thing about me and Jesus. But that's not a spirituality, I think, that matches up well with what we have in the scripture. So much of Christian life isn't really experienced unless you're part of a community, especially a Christian community. Like, forgive, love, empty yourself with kenosis. But like, how do you forgive or who do you forgive when no one is able to hurt you? Like, how do you forgive if you don't really put yourself in a position where someone could potentially hurt you? How do you empty yourself in joyful kenosis when there are no people in your life that you're really living for besides yourself? I know those of you who live in families who have, like, maybe a spouse or kids or whatever, like, I know in some ways it's like, yeah, I live, these are people I live for. And I think one of the reasons why uh, a single life can be, not always, but can be lonely is because not just you don't have people to hang out with, but perhaps it's hard to have people in your life that you're really living for. That makes for a lonely life. How do you love and look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others when you don't live with others who have interests you should be concerned about? You know, I'm just going to read verse 3 through 8 one more time. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped like the status, the rights, the privilege of being God, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of 
man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I mean, try to read that with this me and Jesus lens. I mean, it just doesn't really have meaning unless we're living in community. And the more invested we are in community, the more meaning these verses have. You know, so let me just say this. Like, I plead with you. I plead with you. I plead with you who are watching online. I, I plead with you. Be connected to the community, especially the Christian, like this church community, GCCC. You know, if it's not part of your life, make it part of your life. You know, if you're a Christian or if you're just sincerely seeking Christ, even though you're not sure if you identify right now as Christian, if, you know, if that's you and, or if you're a Christian and you're not very connected to Christ's community or you're, being less, you're, you're becoming less and less connected to it, you may not realize it, but your faith, I think, is really vulnerable. I mean, like Jesus is our shepherd and Jesus is a good shepherd. So I entrust all of us to him, so it's good. I'm not, like, worried, worried. That said, do not play games with Jesus. You know, do not ignore his word, and do not ignore his community. All right, so what is Christian, Christ-like humility? I mean, I, I guess we could talk many months and years about this, but just for today, like one, it's about emptying yourself of your privileges, of your interests, of your rights. And it's also just hand in hand with being part and actually being invested in a community. And so I just want to, as we close up here, I just want to offer like two practical ways or arenas to live out this Christ-like humility. And the first one is just simply in prayer. And I just want to suggest this to you as a way to pray or as something to think about in prayer. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. As you pray, I'm talking about just your private prayer right now. Let this ring. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In humility, count others more significant than yourself. Just in short, like, pray for other people. Just pray for other people. You know, prayer is not primarily a means uh, for therapy. You know, I think it's a means of talking to and hearing from God, our creator, our friend. But it definitely can have therapeutic benefits, for sure. And as we talk about, as a church, as we talk about holistic well-being and emotional health, I think one of the best things we can do for ourselves in terms of practices, healthy practices, one of the best things we can do for ourselves just to get out of our own little world that's all about my concerns and my desires and my hurts is pray for other people. Not half-heartedly or lazily, but with care and with passion. You know, let me ask, like, have you experienced that? Like, have you prayed for other people with passion, with, like, even anguish, with care, with, like, deep emotion, with deep joy. You know, like, when's the last time that's happened? You know, I, I feel like when we do this, boy, that really gets you away from yourself as a center of life. You know, so pray for your friends passionately, 
pray for your family with deep love. You all who are like under 18, pray for your parents with deep respect and honor. You know, I'm sure they annoy you terribly. They feel like enemies at times. I'm sorry, I don't know. I'm like, I hope my kids don't feel this way. But anyway, but maybe they do. But even if that's how you feel, pray for them with respect and honor. Pray for the city. Pray for your school, your campus. Pray for your industry. Pray for the defenseless in our world. Like, let's get over ourselves as we pray and look not only to our own interests, but to the interests of others. Amen. What would happen if your personal, like in your personal prayer life, you prayed more about the concerns of other people than your own? I mean, you who are, again, you who are parents, probably many of you do this with your kids. Like, you pray more for your kids than for yourself. And, you know, I would say you all who don't have kids, you know, pray for other people more than for yourself. Um, you know, I hear this thing, it's like not infrequently, like, I, you know, here and there, like, you hear this when people have kids, like, you hear them sometimes say, like, I never knew what love was until I had a child. I felt this, you know? And, like, I know it's supposed to be this very beautiful sentiment, but I'm like, what? You know? <laughs> like, man, I feel sorry for your friends. I feel sorry for your spouse. I feel sorry for your exes. I feel sorry for your parents. Like, you didn't know what love is until now? <laughs> like, what? Um, but, yes, yeah, single people. If you pray more for other people more than you pray for yourself, you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're doing, single people? Not even joking. You're making yourself into a much more eligible single. <laughs> I'm, it's not like a guarantee. I'm just saying, you know, like, yeah, get a haircut, get fit, whatever. But learn Christ-like humility. And one way you can practice that humility right now, today, tonight, is by looking to the interests of others through prayer. Yeah? Amen? Um, another area, just, again, just in your prayer life. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to, like, create a login. Just pray. Number two, another area of, of life where we can work this out, this Christian humility, is in our work. As I say, whether that work is paid, whether that work is unpaid, whatever the kind of work is, maybe there's more than one kind of work that you do. I'm sure for most of us that's true, or, I mean, all of us that's true. Like, for example, you're a doctor, you also take care of your children. You're also like a church welcomer. Welcomer. You're a tutor at Little Lights. I don't know. You're taking a class. All these things are different kinds of work. And work, as we read it in the Bible, especially the first part of Genesis, is given to us by God as a gift. Like work is not the enemy. Sometimes we think it is, and we might even think that, you know, when Jesus returns, none of us will work because basically like work is an enemy. And, you know, like... When Jesus comes, all enemies of Christ will be defeated, like death. And, you know, certain sports teams from Massachusetts. No, I'm just kidding. But like, or, <laughs> or like, uh, but like work is part of that. Like, oh, we won't have to work. Like, all we'll do is, you know, we'll just sit on the beach. But I think a more Christian vision of the world, like when Jesus returns, isn't that work is gone, and all we do is sit on the beach. It's that work is actually redeemed, not destroyed, but redeemed. It's changed. Work becomes what it was meant to be in, like, the fullest ways. You know, we could talk for, again, for weeks, for years about what this is. But for today, just one thing about work as God meant it to be is this. Like, our work is supposed to bless other people. 
when we read that verse, let each of you look not only to his own interest. In humility, count others more significant than yourself. This Christ-like humility, this emptying of ourselves, this plays out in our work because our work is meant to bless others. It's not just a way to feel self-worth, even though it, it does help you do that. It's not just a way to benefit myself, even though that happens. Our work, actually, I think is often so deflating and tiring because it feels like everyone is just out for themselves. That's like when work is terrible. Like, my industry is terrible. Like, I hate my school. I hate, you know, because it feels like everyone is out for themselves. My coworkers, my bosses, my employees, my teachers, my customers. But that's not because work is bad. It's because work is supposed to bless others. And when that's not part of work, well, of course it's going to be messed up. So as followers of Christ, who have encouragement in Christ, who have comfort from love, who have participation in the Spirit, who have felt affection and sympathy, as followers of Christ who are waiting for his return, and while we wait, we're previewing his future world for this current world. One great way that we can preview this world that's coming is by working to bless others. By having, hum not humility like, oh, you know, no, I'm not that good or whatever, like not that kind of modesty or humility. We're talking about Christ-like humility, emptying ourselves, looking to the interests of others over ourselves, in community, working to bless others. So when we evaluate our work, thinking about it not in terms of, I'm, I'm not talking about like a work evaluation, like, but just generally as we consider our work, to think about it in terms of how we are blessing others versus just how much we make or how much prestige we're giving. And I think, actually, we'll find that work becomes much more tolerable and much more interesting. And I think we'll find ourselves gaining the kind of life that Jesus says is actually very good and full. The way you find life is to lose it. That's God's plan. That's Jesus' way, and that's Christ-like humility. I, I, you know, I don't want... I don't want, like, any of our messages or any of our sermons or prayers or anything to feel like, okay, now you got to do this and go do it. You know, it's about your willpower. It's about how well you can manufacture this. That's not who we are. And that's not what, I don't know, that's not how Jesus and his spirit work. But we put ourselves in front of this word. And as we hear God speaking to us, as we hear God pointing to us to Christ's way, as we hear him calling to us, like, come, come, I'm gentle in spirit. Come, find rest with me. Come, walk with me. Come, live life my way. Again, we're not trying to manufacture it, but we're trying to respond with sincerity and faith and generosity and hospitality to Jesus. So with that in mind, uh, could we pray together? Let's respond to the Lord. And, uh, you know, just first, can we just remember how he came? And like I said, you know, that person in my small group was just like, man, I'm, it's amazing to think that Jesus emptied himself. Jesus left what he had to live in our filth. The humility that Christ expresses lives out. Can we just, you know, all together, many voices, many words, but just one heart, 
one mind. Um, can we just all pray together just in your own words? Just something like, thank you. Right? Your humility is beautiful. Remember what you've done in history. Can we just take a moment to pray that way? And then, um, I'm just gonna, again, there's not a lot of time here, but just, you know, just for like a minute. Let's pray together, not for ourselves, not for my own individual concerns and needs, but let's pray for other people. Pray for friends. Pray for colleagues. Pray for people in your life. Just... I, I, I don't even want us to pray, like, Lord, help me be more interested in others than in myself. Like, I don't even want to pray. I just want to do it and just practice it. And so one way we practice that is just by praying like this. So rather than just praying, help me be this, let's just be it for this minute. Just as we pray, just pray for other people. Not for yourself, but pray for other people. God hears us. I'm just, just going to give us a minute. Lastly, um, just pray for our work. And just two things. One, can you just thank God? Think about how your work has blessed other people, or you think um, the way you know your work has blessed other people at least. And just thank God for that. And um, like, if you're not sure how to pray that, like, let's say, like you're a student, um, you're like, well, I don't, I don't know how my work blesses other people. I'm just preparing for my future and stuff. Um, think about like how. Like the way you are at school, like blesses the people around you, your fellow students, your teachers, right, your family. Think about the ways you feel like, yeah, like this is really helpful and it's gonna help me, like bless people in the future. You know, just thank God for that. And then, alongside just thanking God for it, I encourage you also to say, just very simply, God let our work, and we're praying that together. Let our work bless other people. Take some time. Let's pray all together in one heart, one mind, many words.
Lord God, we thank you for the encouragement that we have felt in Christ today and, and many days. We thank you for the comfort we have felt in your love. Thank you for our companionship with your spirit. Thank you for the affection and sympathy we've experienced. And Lord, we thank you for the humility that we see in you. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, your way is beautiful. And we, Lord, we're going your way. We want to go your way, Lord. And so just like Paul urged these people in, um, in Philippi, we also want to urge ourselves and, and pray to you as we urge ourselves, Lord, uh, we want this to be our attitude. Lord, let this be our attitude of considering others better, being willing to empty ourselves, living a life of humility that's real because it's lived in community. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. And through your holy name, we pray, amen. Um, where we take communion every Sunday, and this is just a, another way that we uh, proclaim um, visually and with all our senses who Jesus is and what he's done. And before we take communion, we always um, recite this, or we usually recite this um, creed, which is like a summary of kind of the Christian story. And so we'll read this together. Um, before we take the elements. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. This is Christian humility. He took bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took a cup. And he said, this cup is my blood shed for you. And when we take this bread and when we take this cup, we remember what Christ has done until he comes again. So I invite you, as we take these elements, you take, come to the front, this little table up here, and the high table in the back that looks just like it. Um, this you can take at the very top of it. It's like a little wafer. And then if you peel the whole top off, it's a um, little juice in the cup part of it. And just encourage you as we take it, just worship that. You know, just remember how beautiful his way is. Remember how beautiful his love and humility are. Um, so I encourage you to do that. And as you come up and take, um, we'll, we'll sing a final song or two. Song or two, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. And then we'll close. Um, please, come on up.
Uh, just before we uh, end here, I just want to also say, um, for I know there are some of you who uh, are male, many of us, I don't know, all of us, I don't know, um, but some of us at least who, um, like, as you hear this, as you hear, like, what we were talking about in Philippians 2, um, you know that you have emptied yourself. Um, like, that's been your life. And there are times that you've emptied yourself, and it's really cost you actually lost things, you know, things, people, and friendships, and just to say, um, God sees you, and God sees them, I think it's just important for us to say that together. Um, with that, um, we, we are sent out from here always, not just with a blessing, but to be a blessing, um, and so everyone, um, beloved friends, in the name of Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, Let's go from here, living this full and beautiful life of Christ, looking not only to our own interests, but to the interests of others, and helping others do the same and find that life in Christ. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'd love if you, in about, like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes or so, you meet us out there by the bathrooms, by that entrance um, or that exit. We'd love to have you join us for our prayer walk. Thanks.